0: You live your life you We're here today with Renee Brown, Director of Counseling for, for Catholic Charities of Central Texas, Deacon Ronnie Lastavica, our Pastoral Care Coordinator for the Diocese of Austin's Restorative Justice Ministry, and I'm Father Harry Dean, also in service to the Restorative Justice Ministry. And we are in our third session now of uh, our uh, talk on manipulation. And uh, Deacon Ronnie.
1: Well, Renee, well, you've defined for us manipulation. You've given us some examples in our past segments. Uh, we talked about uh, particularly the term gaslighting and, and how to recognize these signs. Uh, describe to us the type of people that uh, uh, are prone to being manipulated.
2: Sure. So some, some of the people that um, are prone to being manipulated are people pleasers. You know, those people that want to please everybody around them. Uh, persons who are non-assertive or they're codependent. Um, people who have trouble being direct with others. If you have trouble being assertive. And being assertive and having attitude are two different things. Having an attitude is just like you just can be mouthy, like don't jack with me, blah, blah, blah. Assertiveness is different. Assertiveness is just direct and it's stating a behavior that you will not tolerate. And also people, um, people who have, you know, cognitive disabilities or challenges. Um, people who have some, you know, serious mental health issues. Uh, issues maybe like schizophrenia and such like that those types of people are often prone to being manipulated
0: so there are the types what are some of the common characteristics that these types of folks who would end up being victims of of manipulation what would be their their personal Mm -hmm. characteristics
2: Mm -hmm. so like when you think about people pleasers for example right people they want to please people. They want to make people happy. And some, sometimes they'll do that at any cost, even to the point of losing themselves, right? So maybe um, they kind of forget where they, where they end and the other person begins. It's almost like an enmeshment sometimes with people pleasers. And for this person to please people, it ties into their self-worth and value, there are those people that, due to a lack of knowing self, um, lack of maybe self worth, uh, or having value, they—that's how they derive those things—is by pleasing other people. Um, meeting the needs of somebody else, you know, helps them to feel good about self, and so. They are easy prey for a manipulator. And that's one way that people could look at this as well. People who are manipulators are predators. You could deem them predators as well, right? They're very predatory by nature. They are seeking out people to prey upon, right? Um, Another, some other characteristics would be those people that can't say no to others, right? They just they don't want to say no, or they can't say no because they don't like confrontation, they don't like conflict. Um, they're not that's not comfortable to them to to be in conflict with others. They may not have the skills either to know how to confront people. I think sometimes, just like I said a minute ago, like being assertive is not attitude. Those are two different things. I could be mouthy with somebody, you know, and cuss or kind of be loud. But that's not being assertive. That's just we have an attitude. And it's the same thing with uh, it's similar with conflict. I may not know how to confront you and us not have conflict or a fight Ensue. Some people just don't know how to do these things. Um, there's those people who will avoid confrontation and they just want to keep everything happy. No matter what, it's just going to be happy and we're just going to go along and I'm just going to get through it because they want to avoid confrontation. And then those there's those people who have that weak sense of self. You know, if you don't know who you are, if you don't know your truth, it makes it easy for somebody to prey upon you. You have to know who you are and have that good self of uh, sense of self.
0: Which I would say takes us back to what I read earlier from our restorative justice, um, responsibility, rehabilitation, and restoration, where it talks about who we are fundamentally, our children of God, made in his image and likeness and in the worst of my days like the day i get to prison for the first time and i had a life i was living that life i committed a crime or maybe i didn't but i got convicted of it and now i'm in prison i would i would suspect for a lot of people that is a identity shaking moment so that makes you instantly vulnerable important for us to always emphasize then that when life changes happen, I think Covid did that for a lot of us. You know, sure. when our schedules got blown out of the water, and my I kind of I know myself by my schedule, and then it's gone. but to to always go back and allow yourself to go back and say, "I am a child of God." Fundamentally, that's where my identity starts, and therefore I'm due rights and and dignity, and then and I also have responsibility. So a good way to kind of push back on that, even when you, find yourself in those moments is to not let the manipulator walk in there and and rewrite your personal identity Mm -hmm. for you to their advantage. You say, no, God's done that for me already. And so this is who you need to deal with a a child of God.
2: Actually, I love that. I think that's an awesome way to, to put that or into use when dealing with a manipulator. Um, I've shared with you all that, that my son's incarcerated and, um, Recently, he had a guard say to him with all this racial stuff going on. My kids are biracial. And he said to Drew, he goes, you don't even know who you are. And Drew said, well, first, I'm a child of God. Well, actually said, I'm a man of God. So that was the first thing. Like, you're not going to dictate who I am. And while he may not have a clear sense of self, there are some pieces there, right? So his first thing was, you know, I am a man of God. And I do know who I am. I'm I'm mixed. I'm black. My mom's, you know, my dad's black and my mom's white. I'm mixed. So he may not know his whole identity, but he definitely knew the important part, which is he's a child of God, first and foremost. And it shut this guard down, you know, and just kind of he ended up moving along, going on, on his way. Um, but I think that that is. We sometimes, especially like you bring up, Father Harry, that first day in prison, those first weeks, it really would question who you are, right, as a person. And you may feel at loss of, who am I? Like, I don't really know who I am right now. Maybe you did lose that sense of self. You don't have to discover your whole self in in an hour because you couldn't do that. But if you can foremost, I am a child of God. I made in his image that that piece alone, until you figure out all the pieces can be that thing that will get you through so that maybe you won't be manipulated by others. Absolutely.
1: What allows us to identify with who we truly are mm-hmm. and not our false identities, which says I am what I have or what I don't have, or I am what people say, or they don't say about me in both of those ways of identifying with what we have or, or who we are and, are, uh, those are lies. You know that's right. not who we are. We are we are sons and daughters of God. And we must cling or cling our chosenness that God has loved us first.
2: Absolutely. And to say, or to say I'm not what I've done. Correct. Right? Like I'm not the the this criminal necessarily that did all these things. I'm a child of God. Adopting that and practicing that as well. Absolutely.
1: Well, what is codependency, Renee, and how does it allow for one to be manipulated?
2: So we could actually do several segments later on about codependency, (laughs) Um, but I'll just give you like a brief little introduction of it because people who are codependent are actually somewhat easy to manipulate, right? So when we look at the definition of codependency, according, I love to use Webster's for most of my definitions, um, but it's a psychological condition or you can think of it in terms of a relationship in which a person is controlled or ma- manipulated by another who is affected with um, like a psychological, pathological uh, condition, such as addiction or alcohol or heroin. So when you think about codependency, it, it is often related to addiction. There's these codependency pieces. Um There's an awesome book by Charles Whitfield, and he talks about um, the inner child and healing the inner child in the whole book, which is absolutely phenomenal. I don't know if you guys out there can get a hold of it, but it talks so much about codependency. And it's a small book. This is not a a long, in-depth reader. It's great and to the point. But often there are these codependent behaviors that we find with people uh, in addiction. So you're easily manipulated, right? So Drew and I have a lot of codependent behaviors. Um, He is dependent upon me in some ways um, for good feelings and I with him. Or we're dependent upon each other. It doesn't all have to be positive. It can be negative too, but... Sometimes codependent people function as one. So it's also about this enmeshment piece. Sometimes in my codependency with Drew, I didn't know where I ended and he began. And he the same thing with me. You often feel like you're one entity with this person. Right. And so also like some of the things in codependency with him is I would know, like I can remember the very first time he manipulated me. Mom, I left my iPod. This was back in the day, y'all. I left my iPod at a friend's house. So I take him to the friend's house because I didn't want him, you know, to have to walk or whatever. I drove him over there. I never checked for the iPod, right? He got weed. And we went to this house again another time because he left his iPod again. Now, Drew ADHD. So it was really easy for me to believe, right? But we did it again. And on the third time, I wised up and was like, well, I need to see the iPod, right? You're leaving this $100 item And there was no iPod. There was the weed, which, you know, I threw away and chastised, named this whole thing. But there's these little codependency pieces, because even after that scenario, similar scenarios would happen later on. So um, just some pieces like that where you're each kind of dependent upon the other.
0: Now, we will talk about mutual dependency Mm -hmm. as something to strive for and even to see as necessary in in life. What's the difference between um, the give and take of a husband and wife, of a community of faith, where at, at times I have needs, at times you have needs, and like Acts of the Apostles that we just heard recently, where they all placed everything at the feet of the apostles, and it was distributed to those who had need. Obviously, those are okay. Yeah. So what's the difference between that mutuality and a codependency?
2: Because in a mutual piece— you will always know where you end and begin, and your partner knows where they end and, be, end, end and begin. In and codependency, it's all, it's like you're enmeshed; you become this one entity. I don't know where Renee ends and where Drew begins, and Drew doesn't know where he ends and begins with me. So mutual. There's a I'm my own person, and we're working together, right? In this, there's a confusion about about the, the 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 way we connect because there's there's no end. It's like this continuous human being, right? It's a little strange, but that's how codependency works.
0: So I've been manipulated. Let's say, what's uh, what am I going to experience? What kind of impacts on my person? Uh, will i experience uh, once i, I have uh, been in a manipulative situation
2: father harry if you don't care i'm going to go back one little step because i forgot to give you the guys the signs of codependency oh, let's do i'm it. so sorry no, let me no worries. get that let's real it. quick we'll, yeah. we'll,
0: we'll revisit this question
2: it could help you guys to really make sense of it but difficulty making decisions in a relationship there could be signs of codependency there difficulty identifying your own feelings Okay, because sometimes you get caught up in the other person's feelings. Am I feeling this? Are they feeling this? So sometimes it's difficulty d- identifying your feelings. Difficulty communicating in that relationship. There, There's going to be less of the no, less of the confronting. There, There's a lot of lies. Um, valuing the approval of others more than you value yourself. Right? Right. And lacking trust in yourself and having poor self-esteem. So right now, if you're listening to this, I mean, and you've had addiction issues, you probably identify with some of those signs of codependency.
0: And what was the last one?
2: Uh-huh. Lacking trusting yourself trust in uh-huh. and yourself. having poor self-esteem. If you met Drew, you would think he was confident. But if you knew him, you would know like there's just a lack of self-esteem and he often doesn't trust himself.
0: Which I would presume for our flock in the incarcerated world who get told by any number of points on the compass that they should lack in self-esteem because they committed a crime. And the words that we hear uh, certain politicians use, they call them dirt bags and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. To me, that would just foster – uh, a, a condition of potentially being able to be manipulated.
2: Oh, absolutely. And just think about it. If you would have had good self-esteem and confidence prior to the crime, you probably wouldn't have committed the crime, right? When we feel good about ourselves and we feel confident in ourselves, we don't need to go out and do these things. So.
0: Okay. So um, move on to that next question. Right. Then. So
2: the impact of being manipulated, um, you know, it, you may experience like feelings of helplessness or shame, um, uh, or uh, symptoms that are associated with depression and anxiety. You know, if you know that you're being manipulated by somebody, I mean, there's sadness in that, right? Like, I'm letting this person do this to me. Like, why am I so, you know, don't have no self worth? Why am I letting this happen? Or you get anxious, you know, you get nervous. Um, thoughts of self doubt. Which when you doubt yourself, you're going to diminish any confidence and self-esteem that you may have had. Um, And it increases your stress level. You may even find yourself with depression, especially there's a sense of physical tiredness. You know, when you're being manipulated, it becomes exhausting because remember the manipulator um, and all of their drama, they are dragging you down an emotional black hole, right? And right now you're probably sitting there and it could be anybody, not even somebody you're locked up with, but maybe it was your mom or a boyfriend or a child or just anybody so manipulating that you were just left emotionally exhausted. Maybe to the point that you're losing, you've lost your own self-truth. You know, you don't even know anymore and lack of trust in yourself, lack of the ability and and trust of self to make decisions for yourself. These are all some of the impacts of being um, manipulated.
0: So, again, I wake up one day and, um, you know, of course, in prison, there's any number of things that could cause depression, that could cause stress, that could cause exhaustion, be in an emotional black hole. It may not just be. Uh, somebody having manipulated me, but I need to have it on my radar. Mm-hmm. If I'm self-diagnosing and trying to say, why am I feeling in this this bad space that includes some of these characteristics, one of the things I might want to look at is I may be in the middle of being manipulated.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I found some really great research online from Peaks Recovery Center. So I have to give a shout out to them because it was phenomenal, the things that they had on their site um, about manipulation. And so they talked a lot about the short-term effects that you may notice when you're being manipulated. And so one of them was like surprise and confusion, right? Like you may be feeling like whatever's happening to me can't possibly be so. Maybe you're wondering like, why is this person acting this way? You know, this is a person I know, and yet it may feel like they're a complete stranger to you. So you may be confused or surprised by by this, manip, uh, by being manipulated you start questioning yourself. You may you may be saying, do I really remember things the way they happened? You know, you may feel like something's wrong with you. Um, and experiencing that anxiety, you know, and that vigilance. Um, and that anxiety could come out of like, hey, I want to avoid future manipulation, you know. And so you may become like, avoidant of certain behaviors or you're really trying to avoid this person because you don't want to be around them, that walking on eggshells. Um, Maybe you found yourself being passive. Um, It's easier sometimes to ignore the pain, just kind of go along with it than to stand up to it. Sometimes, So you may find yourself, if you've normally been that person that would be somewhat confronting, maybe you're becoming more passive by nature. So that can be a short-term effect. Um, if you're experiencing feelings of guilt or maybe feelings of shame, um, because remember that that manipulator, they blame you. They're putting stuff on you. They're taking things out on you. And so at some point, you may be experiencing thoughts of shame or guilt. Um, You may even get to a point like physically where you're not making eye contact with people because your self-esteem and confidence is becoming so damaged by this person that you can't even do something as simple as that is that eye contact when you're communicating with people. And then again, that walking on eggshells, right? Where you're just so nervous and so anxious about whatever this person is wanting from you, or that if you get it wrong or you get it right or you're just nervous around them um, because you don't know like what may spike their behavior and their reactions so you just find yourself kind of tiptoeing around them, walking on eggshells.
1: What are the long-term effects of being manipulated? So
2: some of the long-term effects, um, one of the, the primary ones is like this numbness that you may develop to people. And you may find yourself um, becoming, becoming an observer of life, right, instead of living you know, you're just kind of existing. You're kind of observing because you're just numb. Um, and, and thus, instead of engaging with people, you find yourself isolating from people. And there could be different reasons for that. It, it could be because now you don't trust people and you don't trust yourself. And so you start isolating and becoming non, numb. Also, you may um, develop this need for approval. You know, um, you may find yourself becoming that people pleaser. You know, you may find yourself trying to be nice to everybody. Um, Maybe you're going to become more focused on accomplishments or your physical features. You know how you look. You develop this need for approval outside of yourself. Outside of God. Right. Right. Like the only approval I'm looking for is for me and God. That's how I roll. I'm not looking to anybody outside of me and God for approval. But a long-term effect from being manipulated is often to look for approval from other people to validate who you are. Um, maybe you're starting to develop like feelings of resentment, and it can look, uh, it can manifest in different ways. Maybe you're feeling, you know, more frustration. Maybe you're becoming more impatient. You're more irritable. Um, and the thing with, with, with resentment at some point, there has to be like some kind of re- release of that, you know, or you're going to develop that anxiety and depression. Um, and after somebody treats you badly the way a manipulator has, you know, it can be hard to see anything but that bad behavior. You know, that's all that you can get from them. That's all you can focus on is that bad behavior. So that resentment piece is there. Um, also, you may find yourself judging yourself very harshly. And it may be excessive where you start judging your. You know, yourself, you're judging yourself on everything that you do, every decision, every piece of clothing you put on, um, just everything and even others. You may find yourself um, watching what people are doing and you may develop these really high standards that may not even be achievable for yourself and for other people as well. And then like we talked about, just some of those symptoms of, you know, depression and anxiety If I don't know myself, then there's a there's going to be a depression piece in that and an anxiety to that. You're lost. If I am lost to me, there's going to be some anxiety and sadness. There could even be like um, maybe some warning that would go to that because essentially you felt like you've lost yourself.
0: We would say in the religious life that one of the ways to know thyself is to know thy God, uh, to be in touch with the Lord himself, to pray, to uh, immerse yourself in sacred scripture, in liturgy, and all of those things that our Catholic Church offers for the presence of Christ in, in the Holy Spirit, that those are the places where you get the truth about who you are, who other people are. That would be a way to reset some of that if you found yourself migrating away from knowing who I am because of manipulation. What would be some other things that a person could do uh, along with that to say, having found themselves in a moment of life, you know, that um, I I really don't know who I am or I have a a less of a sense than I have in the past. um, What sort of checklist or exercise do you recommend to people to kind of get back to that again?
2: Yeah. I'm a fan of journaling. I know we've talked about this, you know, before um, because journaling is a. if you're writing about you, right? It's your handwriting. It's your words. We all use specific words and our handwriting is somewhat unique. So the journaling process typically is very unique and it would be writing about who you think you are. Right. But in writing about that and and I don't like to give directions on the writing itself, but it could be a helpful tool to do it like in a bullet type of way. Right. Because then what you're going to want to do is go back and be like, "Was well, that really me? Or is this what somebody said? Is this is what is this somebody else's idea? Have I been so manipulated that this is really what so-and-so said about me? This isn't who I really am and it may take an activity like that to kind of figure out who you really are. You know, if 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 you feel like maybe somebody said you're too sensitive. Well, what does that mean? Because I can tell you counselors say there's no such thing as too sensitive. There's no such thing at all.
0: It's like relative to what?
2: Right. There's there's no such thing. So Writing about that and then deciding, is this is this something you believe about you or was this something that somebody else believed about you? Is this something that somebody else was saying behind you behind your back about you, you know, or writing um, in terms of God? You know, who did God create me to be and where do I feel like I meet that expectation or, or, you know, the idea of what God made me to be? Am I, you know, being a good person? Am I a good neighbor? All those pieces, like, am I doing that? But really, it's about kind of weeding out those negative pieces that are based on somebody else's ideas or thoughts or or perceptions of who you are. You want to weed all of that out.
0: We have talked a great deal in our first three sessions about what manipulation is who manipulators are, who the manipulated are as well. And there's a lot of things in there that are really kind of scary and and uh, startling. So in our next session, we want to be sure and address uh, what you can do to be able to push back, to be able to say, I do have some power in this equation. The manipulator does not hold all the power. And even though I may find myself like in my first years of prison or uh, right after a set-off from parole. uh, I find myself weak and vulnerable, which can be some of those things that happen uh, where manipulators might be able to come in. I don't have to to leave myself wide open to this. So in our next session, we hope you all can join us. We'll uh, address some of those ways that we can uh, help ourselves, along with the grace of our God, uh, to say no to being manipulated, and if we find ourselves in the middle of it, to, to getting ourselves out of that situation. As always, we look to the loving God to lead us and guide us and to help us on our way. And when we are in need, may we always and everywhere seek our relief, our help, and our guidance from Him who lives and reigns forever and ever. will you walk with